Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Welcome to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. I am one of your hosts, Cheryl Todd. And I'm Dan Todd. The theme of our show today is Authors of Freedom. We have a great lineup of guests today. Jerry Henry, he's the executive director of GeorgiaCarry.org, which is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. We have Mia Van Vansteen. She's the hunting guide and owner of Wolf Creek Outdoors. Mia also writes for Outdoors Women's News, Western Whitetail Magazine, and other publications. Then we have Ron Seitz. He's the president and executive director of Fighter Country Partnership, the nonprofit organization supporting the men, women, and families and mission of Luke Air Force Base. Then for our second hour, we have W.R. Hawkins. He's a doctorate in military history and an award-winning journalist for Breitbart News. AWR writes on self-defense news stories and also serves as a political analyst for Armed American Radio. Then we have Colonel Richard Tolliver. He is a Top Gun fighter pilot, fighter pilot and <laughs> author of a number of books, including An Uncaged Eagle, True Freedom. You know, he also uh, was a protege of the famed Tuskegee Airmen. And if you don't know who the Tuskegee Airmen are, you need to Google that. That is worth a Google. Those were the first black servicemen to serve as military aviators in the U.S. Armed Forces. There's only that one guy that doesn't know who they are. Well, then he needs to get on the Google right now. You know what we need to do? We need to jump over and talk with Dave Kopp. Dave Kopp is the president of the AZCDL, the Arizona Citizens Defense League, because they just wrapped up here in Arizona the uh, legislative session, and he's kind of got a recap for us. Dave, are you with us? Yes, ma'am. I'm so glad to have you here. Can you kind of tell us what, what the, the wins and losses looked like? Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to uh, give you a quick rundown. <clears throat> we had uh, House Bill 2224, which was uh, built to basically say that uh, no state or local government here in Arizona can implement a fee or tax or any kind of lien on the private transfer of firearms. Uh, which we're all familiar with how that's going this year uh, in various states. Absolutely. So uh, that was passed and signed by the governor just a couple of weeks ago. Nice. So that was a good one. Uh, House Bill 2338, which says that uh, no educational institution can prohibit anybody from carrying a lawfully owned firearm on any uh, street or public right-of-way that happens to run through a campus. Uh, as you're probably familiar here in Phoenix, down in Tucson, uh, there, there's a, been a proliferation of uh, campuses springing up. And, and you can be driving down a, a street or, or walking down a sidewalk, and all of a sudden you're walking into campus. And mm-hmm. campuses, as you probably well know, are gun-free zones. Mm-hmm. And so uh, driving down Central Avenue here in Phoenix, you, all of a sudden you're in a gun-free zone. Does that mean you're breaking the law? Well, not anymore, it doesn't. Nice. So that was also passed, signed by the governor just a few days ago. Uh, we have, um, let's see, House Bill 2524, which was our Uniforms Firearms Transfer Compact. That was meant to stop Michael Bloomberg from coming in here 
Uh, unfortunately, that was not passed. Uh, well, it passed the, the, the legislature, but it was vetoed. Um, that was unfortunate. And uh, we kind of feel, looking at the governor's veto message, that maybe he really didn't understand what we were trying to do there. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, because normally, normally he's very, he's signed a lot of these in. So he's very yeah. pro-Second Amendment. You know, it, it, it's kind of one of those things, and, that, and that's one of our other bills that, that didn't make it. To, uh, Senate Bill 1257, which was our Secure Public Buildings bill, uh, his staff worked pretty hard to kill that. Um, mostly due to what we were told was cost issues. Uh, they felt that uh, leaving signs in public buildings was good enough, and that if you actually made public buildings secure, because as you and I both know, a cardboard sign in the window is only keeping good guys out. It's not keeping bad guys out. Right. And if you actually work to make public buildings secure, put up armed guards, metal detectors, and so on and so forth to keep everybody out, that that would cost too much. Hmm. And so... Um, so I think that there, there's kind of a lack of understanding there, and I think that there's some willingness up there on the ninth floor to sign some good bills, and there's some maybe misunderstanding of some of the, the issues that, that we gun owners have mm-hmm. that needs to be clarified. So I think there's the possibility to work with this governor. I just think that maybe we need to make more inroads with his staff and, and make things clearer because... Uh, there's a few issues there that, that just aren't getting through. Um, and then there was one more bill that was real important that he also signed, which gives us hope. Okay. Uh, it was uh, Senate Bill 1266, and that was strengthening the state firearms preemption laws. As, again, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, some cities, notably Tucson, uh, they passed these local ordinances, and we've had state firearm preemption here for years, which basically says the state is occupying the field of firearms regulation. Uh, local Cities, local towns can't pass their own firearms laws. Uh, cities like Tucson have ignored this for years. And so 1266 finally puts teeth into those laws, says basically if you're going to pass local laws in, in violation of state law, we can sue you. You can be charged with uh, with violating that law, and, and civil penalties can be laid on you, and, and up to and including removal from office if you don't obey state law. Wow. And so, and he signed that too. So, like I said, I think there is hope to work with this governor. I just hope that we can make some progress going down the road. Well, I wonder if maybe it it felt like since we did have SB 1266, that maybe it was redundant to go after the 2524. Am I saying the numbers right? Well, 2524, what it would have done basically is say that Arizona and other states would enter into a a compact, which is basically a contract between states. Basically to say that we would not pass any state-level laws concerning the private transfer of firearms. Uh, Right now, Arizona does not concern itself with private transfers of firearms. Mm -hmm. We don't have regulations on that, and we would basically have agreed with other states not to do that. Uh, You know, we'd leave it to the feds, basically. And so, uh, as you probably know, Bloomberg has been spectacularly unsuccessful in getting the feds to do anything. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but he's had some success going state to state and getting initiatives passed to get the states to regulate that. And, and we were basically trying to head him off at the pass here in Arizona before he could do that. So he comes in kind of soft-shoeing it, saying, you know, we're, we're protecting the kids, right? Right, exactly. It's just a reasonable, it's a, it's a common sense thing, right? We just want to be sure that every transfer of a gun goes through this universal background check. What could you possibly have against that? 
Well, right, and that's that's the sell. But of course, you know, if the, if it was that easy, it wouldn't take a twenty-page bill to do it. <laughs> and the devil's always in the details. And, and what winds up happening is you can't implement these things. And we've had law enforcement folks from Washington and Oregon where this is already passed tell us exactly the same thing. You can't implement these things unless you wind up registering all the guns. Mm. And of course, that involves registering all the owners too. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, until the whole enchilada is passed, you don't see the bad part. And right. so they sell it saying, oh, we're only protecting the kids. We're only keeping bad guys from doing this. But bad guys aren't doing this anyway. Bad guys are getting their guns out of the trunks of cars. They're getting them from their fellow gang members. The only people that this is affecting is people like you and me. And therein lies the rub, right? Exactly. So, well, do you feel like you had enough participation from from the public uh, or do we need more education out there to say why is 2524 important and what is the the downside of this universal background check? Well, I think the public participation is pretty good, but it can always be better. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, tell your friends, tell your family, we need to get out there, we need to talk to the legislators, we need to talk to the governor, we need to make them understand these are our concerns and, and we need to be listened to. So yeah, it can always be better, absolutely. And you guys are such the voice for us and it's so easy to connect with you and and to understand these laws because you guys have a great way of of writing them out so that they're clear, they're in simple English. And uh, I want everybody to to go to your website and sign up if you're not already a member of the AZCDL. Tell them how they can do that. Well, the website is www.azcdl.org, and you can get to pretty much everything there. You can join online. There's our bill tracking service, which every bill going through the legislature that we have any concern with, whether it's good or bad, is right there on our bill tracking page. You can sign up for our alerts during the session. They come out fairly frequently, at least once a week and usually more, mm-hmm. which, again, tells you, hey, this is going to committee. This is going to the floor. This is going to the governor. So, you know, this is what we need you to do. And and they'll give you links to emails that are pre-written, or you can alter them if you want, you know, say what you want. But if not, they're pre-written, a couple of mouse clicks, off they go. And so, you know, it makes it real easy for you to participate. And there's all kinds of educational information on there, links to court cases, links to documentation. So uh, there's lots of great information on there at www.azcdl.org. Fantastic. And I, I can't agree with that more. And especially now, there is no fence-sitting, even though... The, the legislature has uh, adjourned for the next, how long? How are they adjourned? How long are they adjourned? Uh, the session always starts second week of January every year. Uh, how long it lasts is, is a matter of question. Uh, by rule, it's supposed to end in 100 days. That almost never happens, although the last couple of years it's been close. All right, but it isn't, this isn't the time to, to nod off over the summer, is it? Right, exactly. So stay educated. The summertime is when we go and we talk to these guys and we say, hey, guys, this is what we want to do next year, so let's get on board. So this is what we'll be doing during during our quote-unquote summer vacation is going and talking to legislators and getting lined up for next year. Fantastic. Dave, thank you so much for spending the time on a Saturday, and congratulations. I know you've got a, a son that just graduated, right? Absolutely. He just is. is keeping us proud. I love it. Passing it on to the next generation. Well, thank you so much. Go enjoy your weekend. Thank you for having me. All right. Now, you know, this is Arizona, but it's important, even though you're listening all across the country and even in other countries, because what happens here in Arizona can affect, will affect, and will move around to to other states. Right. Look at California. 
Right, exactly. California had the, one of the best places to go buy guns, the big show there, Great Western Show. It's gone. There's and, no more. And we're afraid that's going to come to Arizona. So we are trying everything we can to stay strong here. We have got a busy week this week, Cheryl. We do. You know, the auction Tuesday night, we've got a lot of guns in the auction at potofgoldestate.com. Yes. And that auction's Tuesday. There's plenty of guns in there. And then you and I are going to Kentucky? Yeah, to the NRA meeting. That's Wednesday? Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that, and then we'll report back from that. But right now, we've got to run to break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with Jerry Henry, the executive director of georgiacarry.org. Stick around. When you're working hard to beat debt, you've got to think of creative ways to get your income up. Here's an idea. Sell some stuff at auction. Start with locally owned and operated potofgoldestate.com. The owners, Dan and Cheryl Todd, have over 60 years of combined experience in selling antiques, collectibles, guns, coins, and jewelry. And over their many years in business, they've earned the trust of thousands of people just like you. Whether you're saving for a rainy day emergency fund or paying down debt, let potofgoldestate.com help you get the extra cash you need. Potofgoldestate.com will purchase your items outright, or you can consign them to their twice-a-month online auction. Pot of Gold's nationwide online auction is a great place to get top dollar for your collectibles. They specialize in everything from antiques, coins, high-end collectibles, to cars, boats, guns, and more. Get started today at potofgoldestate.com, or visit them off I-10 and Dysart Road in Historic Avondale for some live auction action. For more information, visit potofgoldestate.com. That's potofgoldestate.com. Hey ladies, Cheryl Todd here from azfirearms.com. Many of us ladies are taking the important step of becoming responsibly armed, but it can be an intimidating process. And with all the politics swirling, a first-time gun buyer, whether a guy or a lady, might feel uncertain about where to begin and who to trust. At azfirearms.com, we are a small, friendly, family-owned shop that specializes in first-time gun buyers. We are staffed with knowledgeable people who are ready to help answer all of your questions. My husband Dan and I pride ourselves on having a safe, no-pressure environment. Once you have decided on a purchase, azfirearms.com partners with professional firearms instructors who will train you to become a responsible, safe, prepared, and proficient gun owner. So ladies and gents, when you are looking for personalized service and a huge selection, come to azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road or visit us on the web at azfirearms.com. Welcome back to this beautiful spring day in May to Gun Freedom Radio, where we educate, we engage, and we inform. And we're sponsored by azfirearms.com, your nationwide hometown gun shop. Well, we uh, our theme today of the show is called Authors of Freedom. And this can be both literal or figurative. So people who are working toward or press issues forward... They are writing our future. And our first guest is definitely one of those people, Jerry Henry, the executive director of georgiacarry.org. And we've invited him on today to talk about campus carry because there's some on-campus robberies that have been taking place on some Georgia college campuses. And and we wanted to get his perspective on that and and what an organization like georgiacarry.org is doing about that. Jerry, are you with us? 
I am. Thank you. Happy to be here. Oh, I'm glad you're here. So talk to us a little bit about um, what Georgia Carey is first, and then we'll dive into that that issue of Campus Carey. Well, we're basically just a group of guys who are are, uh, advocates of the Second Amendment. We uh, started back in uh, 2007. It was started by, in particular, by one guy who at least got the ball rolling, who had been a policeman for 14 years. In the meantime, he got a, his degree as an attorney, and his wife uh, wanted him to resign from being a policeman when they started having children. She thought it was too dangerous for him. And he wanted children, and so he agreed to it. Well, when he turned in his badge and firearm, he started looking at the laws, and for 14 years, he could carry anywhere he wanted to. And then all of a sudden, he found out that Georgia was a pretty lousy state for gun laws. Mm. In fact, in uh, 2008, actually up until about 2010, we were somewhere down around 38 or so worst uh, gun laws in the country. We had more places off limits to carry than any other state in the union. Most people don't understand that, but we did because we had a we had a public gathering law, which was a Jim Crow law. And this this public gathering law said you could not carry to or while at a public gathering, which consists of but is not limited to uh, sporting events, political rallies, churches, government buildings, and bars. Hmm. So you couldn't carry there, but you couldn't. You didn't know whether you could carry anywhere else or not because it depended upon how the uh, sheriff or the judge or whoever that wanted to arrest you would take that meaning of the law. Wow. And it was put in, it was put in as a Jim Crow law to stop black people from having firearms after the Civil War. It was, it was put in in 1870. And we lived with that in Georgia until we got it uh, repealed in 2010. Now we have a list of places where we where we can carry and, and uh That has been a big relief for an awful lot of people. We have now been ranked by some people as high as number three in the country for the best gun laws. I think we're probably somewhere around number six, seven, something like that. But regardless where you put us, when you come up from 39th to worst, uh, we've done a pretty good job in 10 years. Absolutely. And what a great story of what one person can do. You know, so... it's not one person, but it it is uh, you know it, it was it was started actually by six or seven people I think okay. it was seven people and uh, eight people and they're still still with us today they're still on our our uh, board of directors and the funny thing about it is there are only three we have ten members now on our board of directors and only three of them are from Georgia the rest of them are from other some other state that moved in here we all live in Georgia now but. Uh, we're from another state. We, we have Wisconsin, Oregon. I'm from Texas. Uh, we have uh, one guy from Pennsylvania, one guy from, uh, I think maybe two guys from New Jersey, one guy from Wisconsin. And it, we're just all over the country. And we wound up down here in a place that had some pretty crummy lo- gun laws, and we decided we'd change them. And so far, as I say, we've been pretty successful in doing so. Well, that's great. Now, what are we going to do about campus carry, and why should we do things well, about campus carry? Well, we've been trying to get campus carry passed for uh, the last, actually, for the last 10 years. This is the closest we've come. We finally got it passed, and then the governor vetoed it. Um, but 
what we'll do is we'll continue to come back and attack it in either directly with campus carry or some other uh, method. We're meeting with uh, some of our supporters in the General Assembly this summer to determine what we will do next fall, or well, actually next January, when the General Assembly opens up. We will have something uh, to go on the, on the table. We plan on having something to go on the table when the General Assembly opens up. You know, this is a wake-up call for California, Colorado, and Chicago, some other states, that t- less than 10 people made the change to the laws. Coming together. <laughs> yeah. So well, coming together and making it happen. I mean, we, yeah. we can't just sit back in our chairs and let other people do it. No, you, gotta be involved. No, you can't. So, you got to get involved. And, and it, it, it wasn't just 10 people that did it. 10 people started the organization. And we, we credit our members with being the ones that actually did it. When we call upon them, we try to enable our member, members to be uh, lobbyists. And when we call on them, we ask them to be you know, kind of quiet, not say anything until it's time for our voices to be heard in the state capitol. And when we do, then they respond. And they're the ones that have really gotten things done. Absolutely. We've been able to kind of direct it the way we wanted it to go but they're the ones that, that actually did the work. Jerry, what I'm telling people is in California and these other states that are having a problem, they need to wake up in the morning and they start something. Mm-hmm. Others will follow. I agree. And that's I agree. like the police officer, one guy, he woke up one morning and said, hey, I can't carry. That's correct. And he, exactly right. he influenced other people to get started and get that ball rolling. And so thank you. Absolutely. And we need other states to start thinking about that. Well, oh, I agree with that. The reason I reached out to you today is because of something I saw you post on Facebook about um, some robberies that are taking place on some Georgia campuses. Well, Georgia Tech here in Atlanta has been ranked by the FBI as one of the top, uh, I think last time it was ranked, that I saw it ranked was, uh, it was ranked the 10th most dangerous campus in the United States. Georgia? Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech. Yes, sir. Wow, what's and, going on uh, there? Well, it, it's just they're in downtown Atlanta, and uh, some of the areas around them are not quite as nice as they used to be. And, and you've got these kids uh, that are walking across campus at, late at night with their iPads and their uh, iPhones, et cetera, and they're just easy prey because everybody knows if they're on that campus, they're disarmed. So uh, there were, matter of fact, the article that you were referring to uh, what I posted was uh, the night before our governor vetoed campus carry bill, there were two students that were victims of armed robbery on Georgia Tech campus. Mm-hmm. While he was, while about the same time that he was vetoing or they were announcing the veto, there was a kid down in uh, middle Georgia in a place called Fort Valley State that was uh, stabbed to death mm. on campus. And that article that I posted also said that came out on a Friday, I believe it was, and they admitted that there was another robbery that uh, the evening before. And that was just on Georgia Tech. Now, the day that we introduced the bill, there were uh, there were two robberies in the library at Georgia State, which is also downtown Atlanta inside the library, too. And that was the fourth one in about four weeks that they had had down there. And about three weeks later, there were uh, two people that were shot on that campus. So is but yet the... they say, 
they say we don't need anything. We, you know, we're, we've got all the security we need. Right. Well, so is I the governor agree. is the governor unaware? Why why would he veto this? Does he not understand the ramifications of arming citizens? If if the law says you can legally own and possess and get trained, uh, why does he think that just in this one space on a, on a college campus that that it shouldn't happen that way? Well, I believe there's there's a couple of things going on. This governor has been an A-plus uh, NRA guy for the last 35 years, but hmm. he's got two years to go before he he is no longer running. Well, he's no longer running for office now, but he's got two more years in office. Uh, so he's a lame duck, and he can do whatever he wants to. And in Georgia, uh, at least with this governor and with some of the others, the Board of Regents kind of calls the shots on what they want. And they do that by favors to the governor and his uh, his staff. And they they seem to be unaware of the, the the crime that's taking place, or they don't understand that you know uh, armed citizens can actually help reduce crime. Well, I think they I think they understand both. They just don't want to admit it. They they've got to be aware of the crime that's on the campuses because it happens. A year in and year out. And every year, and the governor did that in his uh, veto statement. He said that he uh, had issued a an executive order that says, uh, well, actually, he, said he, he issued a request, a, an executive order for requesting the chancellors and the, the heads of the technical colleges and the uh, police department on the campuses to give him a, a study of what was going on and, and tell them what they're their plans were for uh, campus safety, et cetera. And this is the same thing that they do every year. About every two years, uh, the crime will get out of hand on Georgia Tech campus again, and they will go through the same thing. No, we can't have guns there because we've got all these these young kids there that are hormonal and taking <laughs> dope and drinking beer and all the other stuff. But, yeah. you know, the thing of it is, there are people that are on that campus right now that can walk directly across the street strap on their gun, and go any other place in Georgia that's legal to go. Exactly. And they are not creating any problem on that campus, and they will not create that. Exactly. The only thing that you're doing by keeping people, uh, armed citizens, off the campuses is making it more dangerous for the students because they are unarmed. As I always say, it's like uh, shooting fish in a barrel. You know, it's kind of hard to miss them. They're out there. Absolutely. do what you want to. Absolutely. Well, we've got to start wrapping up and going to commercial, but um, we always say that what happens in one state will affect other states. And so for people to reach out and support what you guys are doing there and stay on tabs of what you guys are doing there, please tell everybody how they can tap into um, your organization and find you online. Well, we're, we're, our name is, is our website, georgiacarry.org. org. Uh, get most of the news there. We also have a Facebook page. We have a Twitter uh, feed that uh, that people can can follow. We're only twenty dollars a year join, and and we send you an updated uh, uh, a regular update of what's going on in the state of Georgia. And uh, anybody, actually anybody in any state that wants to talk to me, my phone number is on the website, and I'll be more than happy to discuss anything we have going on with anybody. Fantastic. Jerry, thank you so much for taking time on a Saturday to talk with us. Well, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. All right. Bye now.
All right. Stick around because we have more authors of freedom to talk about. And right after this break, we're going to be talking with Miss Mia Ann Stein. She is a hunting guide. She's a co-owner of Wolf Creek Outfitters. She's also a writer for Women's Outdoor News and Western Whitetail Magazine. And I want you to stick around and, and learn a little bit from her right after this. Hey everybody, this is Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan, world champion gunslinger and Hollywood gun coach. In the Westerns, there's always a good guy and a bad guy and sometimes the ugly guy. And I always root for the good guy, which is why I'm here to tell you about the good folks over at azfirearms.com. They are straight shooters and always give you the best deal in town. azfirearms.com is the biggest little gun shop in Arizona and have something for every single gun enthusiast. Long guns, pistols, hunting, military, law enforcement, home protection, you name it. And when you've got some guns to sell or trade in and trade up, azfirearms.com are the folks to see. Geez, they bought a cannon once. They are family owned and operated, friendly staff, courteous, totally reliable. azfirearms.com will give you the best value for your used guns. So stop in, see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd at azfirearms.com in Old Town Avondale off the I-10 and Dysart Road and tell them Joey Rocket Shoes Dylan sent you. Don Collier here, letting you know that you won't get fool's gold at Potty Gold Auction. They're the genuine article. Potty Gold Auctions off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Stop in and see my friends Dan and Cheryl Todd in Avondale, Arizona for some live auction action. Or check them out on the web at pottygoldestate.com. Auctions take place the first and third Tuesday of every month and are full of a great mix of antiques, collectibles, jewelry, guns, and coins. Visit our beautiful air-conditioned showroom off the I-10 at Dysart Road at 215 East Western Avenue in historic downtown Avondale. You will find a friendly and knowledgeable staff, comfortable chairs, and we even serve free birthday cake at every auction. Or bid from the comfort of your home at potofgoldestate.com. Don't miss out. Everything is going, going, gone at potofgoldestate.com. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, educate, and inform. Sponsored by AZ Firearms, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. Our theme of our show today is Authors of Freedom. And we have a special guest here. We have Mia Einstein. Mia, are you there? Yeah. How are you doing? We're doing great. Hey, Miss Mia. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Well, so we're calling today's show Authors of Freedom, and I know you write a lot for a lot of different publications, um, and you and I both are women's outdoor news authors, so uh, that's great that we do. Yes. We have that in common. Uh, but first, before we dive into some things, tell us a little bit about you. How did you come into the world of hunting and being an actual hunting guide? That's hard work. It is hard work, and it's a lot of fun. It's pretty rewarding. I actually, I started hunting um, with my dad when I was a kid and then hunting on my own when I was an adult. And that brought me actually not just into guiding, but into the writing world. I wanted to share the passion with others. And I met my husband and he owned an outfitting business. And since I was a hunter, whenever he was shorthanded or need extra help, he would ask me if I was available and 
I would take um, different hunters out on elk or bear or mule deer hunts and um, then also take kids out. We take youth hunters on turkey hunts. So that's how I kind of got into the guiding business. Well, I love that you said that you have youth turkey hunting um, clinics or, or however you worded it, because we just recently were at a, a talk where the Arizona Fish and Game or Game and Fish Department was saying that the the group of people who are dedicated hunters and outdoors people are kind of aging out. So if we aren't reaching into the youth and teaching them how to hunt and, and to a love for, for nature in that way, um, it doesn't have a very long future ahead of it. Precisely. And that's, that's key to guiding. And we actually take kids that are 16 and under for free. As long as their parents come on a paid hunt, the kids can come for free. And that's partly why we do that is because we want to pass it on. We need to pass on the traditions. Um, my family, my great grandfather hunted and my grandpa hunted and then my dad hunted. So it's been like generations of hunting and I hope to pass that on, which is where you and I both write for Women's Outdoor News. I started writing there was actually stories about taking my daughter out on hunts. Nice. That's fantastic because hunting isn't something I think you can just kind of wake up one day and go, you know what, I'm just going to go walk around in the woods and, and figure out how this hunting thing works because there's things you can't shoot. There's areas you can't shoot. There's times of years you can't shoot, right? Yeah, that's and that's a really good point. One of our prime things that we try to enforce is obviously safety is very important with any firearms and uh, hunting can be archery or firearms, but safety first. So they've got to go get their hunter's education cards before they can come on a hunt. And that's always key to getting getting the kids involved. And we're really lucky in the little town that we live in in Colorado the kids actually get to take hunter safety courses in school if they want to. It's a week-long nice. activity where they learn conservation. And throughout the week, they also learn hunter safety. And if they don't want to actually get the safety card, they don't have to do the firearms course, which is on a weekend, not on the school day. Um, but it really does give the kids an insight as to hunting and conservation and wildlife and also a respect for one another and firearms. That is fantastic. So when we're talking about hunting, because you mentioned you can bow hunt or you can hunt with with firearms, isn't there a little bit of um, sibling rivalry amongst the different types of hunters (laughs) and everybody wants to say their way is best and that sort of thing? There definitely can be. I try to um, squash that when that's at my hunting camp because I really feel like we all need to be together. We need to be a team. And although, you know, maybe archery is my favorite or maybe handgun hunting is my favorite, it doesn't mean that I should disrespect somebody else's form of hunting. And right now, the hunting community really needs to stand together. It's also something that I write about at other publications, but we really need to stand together because, you know, united we stand, divided we fall. But the thing is, if you, if I'm an upland hunter that loves shotgun hunting and I'm like, oh, who cares if they take away those high capacity magazines? It doesn't affect me. But the problem is it does affect you because they're going to chip away at that little by little. And if you look at history of where the laws came from to where they're headed toward, you really have to support, you know, if you like revolvers, you have to support somebody who likes semi-automatic. If you like archery, you should support crossbows because if something is taken away, 
then you're next. So we all have to support one another. That's so true. And I'm, I'm glad that you talked about that. And, you know, we always say there's no fence sitting politically speaking. You know, when you've got to know the laws of your state, you've got to know your constitutional rights. And especially this year, uh, there is no fence sitting. If you value your constitutional right to to firearms, whether it's for hunting or for home protection, you've got to be involved. If you value your ability to hunt, then you have got to be involved, right? Absolutely. And that's something I think as, as a community, we've always been really polite because we enjoy what we do and we just go out and we're peaceful and quiet and we go hunt and, or we, maybe we're target shooting. We go out to the range and we shoot targets and we enjoy our freedom and our spare time, but we've never been the boisterous ones to stand up and defend that freedom. And really, as you said, this year, it is so important to have your voice heard. Um, my daughter and I were doing a collaboration with the National Shooting Sports Foundation and Women's Outdoor News. And we're doing a series of videos regarding the gun vote because this year is so important to keep that in mind when we're selecting who we're going to vote for. Oh, that's fantastic. I don't think I've seen those videos. How would how would we look those up? The videos for gun vote, you can look up the hashtag gun vote and that's all together. Just hashtag G-U-N-V-O-T-E. They're also at Women's Outdoor News and on their YouTube channel. Uh, I also have shared them on some of my outlets, but it's not only us. There's uh, several people that are trying to really get the word out that, you know, we're we can still be peaceful, but we have to have our voices heard and we have to let people know they need to respect us as we are standing up and respecting the Constitution. That is so great. And you are already passing those values along to the next generation. And that is so vital. I don't know if everybody really even understands that it's not just about, I know my constitutional rights, I know the laws, and I'm connected with maybe the NSSF or the AZCDL here in Arizona, but I'm also teaching and modeling for my, my child and my grandchild and you are putting your money where your mouth is. And you, you just have the one daughter? I have one daughter. I, I was blessed with one daughter and never had any others. But um, she is outstanding. And it's amazing to me to see her come home from school and, like, tell me what they talked Uh-oh, I think we lost you. Tell you what they, they talked about, I'm sure, is what you were going to say. Because our schools are not necessarily the, the most friendly places uh, when it comes to, you know, people talking about their Second Amendment rights or talking about their their hunting rights and that sort of thing. Right. And Cheryl, I mean, think about it. When we first went hunting, when I was young and I went hunting, you didn't have to go get permits. You didn't have to do all that stuff. And so then when they got to where you had to have permits, then we we went archery hunting because you didn't need it for archery, but you needed it for guns. So... So and those things are important. I'm sure they are because we are about conservation. We don't want to overhunt. Right. No, you know? they are. We don't want to traipse on the land and, and wear things down, the, the, the vegetation down that the animals feed on and that sort of thing. So they're important, but it's just one more layer of somebody that's brand new to it thinking, is this even for me? Is this something I can even do? And I'm so afraid I'm going to trip over a law that I, I wasn't fully aware of that maybe it's just easier not to. Right. And I also like to comment on uh, using you know your rights for guns. Um, who would believe that 
there are organizations that are trying to keep our rights to keep a pocket knife. I know there is a gunrights.org, I think is, is the name of the knife. All right. So yeah, right. Knife, knife rights. Right. Um, and I think that's all good, but why should we have to, I mean, come on. I mean, we, because there's that vocal minority and that's what you were trying to talk guy. about. Yeah. You were trying to talk about in our, our last segment with Jerry Henry of, of Georgia carry.org that it, it really takes one person to start involving others. And, you know, so often the, the vocal minority does that. And those of us that are the, the quiet majority kind of sit back and feel like, oh, well, it won't happen here. And we don't have any worries about our rights being infringed. And so we get lazy about it, I think. And so, you know, pretty soon is Mia back with us. Mia? I am. I'm so sorry we lost you. But you, <laughs> you were saying how she'll come home from school and talk to you about what they talked about. Yes. And really, my point is parents need to spend time with their kids, as you said, sharing and teaching the the next generation. But you also need to speak with them about what's going on in their lives, because what the teachers are teaching may or may not be facts. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that that's important to to even play devil's advocate at home, you know. Yes. So so what did you think about that? And, And maybe even you take the side that you don't agree with just to to let your child sort of um, weigh it out. Yes, and that's a good point, Cheryl, because if you do play devil's advocate, it can also prepare them for when another teenager or somebody their age is pressing them about, you know, why are you at the shotgun range shooting guns every weekend? Why do you do that? If somebody starts pressing them, it can prepare them to respond to questions. Absolutely. Well, I just love everything that you're doing there. I, I'm just amazed that if anybody looks up uh, your, your website or your, your Facebook page, you are a slight built woman and you are out there being a hunting guide. And I, I just think that's amazing. And if you can do it <laughs> right, then, then anybody can do it. That's right. No excuses. We even take disabled hunters. There are no excuses. It's amazing what people do when they put their mind to it. <laughs> I love that. Tell people how they can find your site and follow you. And then we've got to run. So you can find me. My website is MiaAnstein.com. It's M-I-A-A-N-S-T-I-N-E.com. And on there, you can find the links to all the social media outlets I'm on. Another big one for me is YouTube. I have Mia's Motivations on YouTube. And I share survival, hunting, shooting, outdoor tips, and so forth, hoping to encourage people to get out and hunt, shoot, hike, or just enjoy the outdoors. Fantastic. Thanks again, Mia. Thanks for having me, Cheryl. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. All right, Bye-bye. stick around because right after this, we have Ron Sides, the president and executive director of Fighter Country Partnership. They help support the men and women and families of Luke Air Force Base here in Arizona. I'm Rob Morse from the Self-Defense Gun Stories podcast. Each week we share stories about men and women who saved lives. Now I am asking you to be a lifesaver as well. The Second Amendment Foundation protects our rights to keep and bear arms. They defend our rights in courts from coast to coast. Today, they need our help. Please go to saf.org and join the Second Amendment Foundation. 
That's saf.org. And we're back with Cheryl Todd talking about the huge gun buying event at azfirearms.com. Oh, AZ, I get it, as in Arizona. Yes, but... Oh, or AZ, as in everything from A to Z. Well, yes, that too. But what I'm telling everybody about is that azfirearms.com is having a huge gun buying event to buy your old firearms all across Arizona and everything from A to Z. That's great news. See, my grandpa left me an old shotgun and it's just sitting on a closet shelf at home. So I can bring that into azfirearms.com and sell my gun. Absolutely. AZFirearms.com buys, sells, trades, and even consigns your old firearms. Any vintage, any style, military, long guns, handguns, hunting, or home protection. Single items or entire collections. We offer the highest value for your used firearms in a safe and friendly environment, staffed by knowledgeable people. AZFirearms.com is Knoll Town Avondale off I-10 and Dysart Road. Come on down to the huge gun buying event every day through the end of the month at the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And for all your firearm and ammo needs, visit AZFirearms.com. Be a part of the gold rush and head on down to see my friends at Potty Gold Auctions in Avondale, Arizona. Or check out the auction online at PottyGoldState.com. These folks auction off guns, coins, jewelry, and antiques of every kind. Everything is going, going, gone. So you best hurry and tell them Don Cogger sent you. Welcome back to Gun Freedom Radio, where we engage, we educate, and we inform. We are sponsored by azfirearms.com, the biggest little gun shop in Arizona. And we are glad you're here with us today. If you missed any part of this show today or any day, please be sure to check out our website for the recording. If you'll go to gunfreedomradio.com and you'll click on the On Demand tab, Every one of our shows has been there and links to the guests that we've had on and they each have their own individual guest page. So like Mia, we were just talking with her, Mia Anstein. So we'll have a link on there to the video she was talking about with the gun vote. And don't we have an app coming soon? We do. It's not been approved yet by Apple. So cross your fingers for that any day now, I'm hoping. Well, our theme today is Authors of Freedom. Some of our guests are literally authors, and some are figuratively authors of our freedom, people who are helping to write our future and the futures of some of our military families. Our next guest, Ron Seitz, the president and executive director of Fighter Country Partnership, the nonprofit organization supporting the men, women, families, and mission of Luke Air Force Base here in Arizona. Ron, are you with us? I am. I am. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Oh, we're excited. And thank you because you and your group took Danny and I out to the uh, Barry Goldwater bombing range this past week. Yes, that's a very unique opportunity. Every once in a while, uh, as we continue to educate and create awareness about what Luke Air Force Base is, sometimes uh, educating individuals about the mission of what they do down on the range. Ron, what's so, what's so unique about going to the range and watching an airplane shoot 30-millimeter rounds by your, uh, just a few feet from you? That is awesome. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah. It's just you know, a it, normal, everyday it, thing, you know. No, no, it's, it's not an opportunity that most people get. And the fact that, you know, our job is to support Luke Air Force Base, uh, it's just amazing that when those opportunities come up, you know, and you get to include others in those, I mean, they're priced. Well, how did Fighter Country Partnership come into being? So the organization started back in the early 70s. It's had many names. 
Um, we've been known as the Talons. We've been known as the White Knuckle Squadron. But the initial core mission of the organization was really to protect with Air Force Base from encroachment concerns. Obviously, you know, they train fighter pilots. They've been training fighter pilots since 1941. So protecting the ground also protects their flight corridors and their flight paths. So that's what our initial core mission was, which is encroachment. And, and since then, it's really now grown into uh, health and human services and, and really supporting that culture and tradition of the military, which is uh, a humbling honor. Absolutely. And I grew up out in the West Valley here, a little bit west of Phoenix, Arizona. And Luke is such a part of the fabric of what we do in that area, in our state. And because they're training pilots that only train here, uh, it's such it's so important. And so when a lot of the housing developments popped up and people were getting upset about the noise, I'm like, that's the sound of freedom, right? You know, Ron, uh, when yeah. we when we um, when nine eleven happened, you never know. I lived in this valley all my life, but when we heard those jets flying around the house after nine eleven, what a powerful statement that was, and and such a relief of freedom, you know. So yeah. so I I'm I'm really excited about it. And I don't understand people that move to an area that has airplanes and complain. <laughs> <laughs> you know? well, uh, yeah, it's, it's been here since nineteen forty one. So. Yeah. The, the the answer of, well, we were here first, it's typically the common sense practical answer, right? right. It really is. But I want to ask, why don't people more people know about the Fighter Country Partnership? Because we just learned about it. You know, it, it's we're very sensitive. We I, I call ourselves not a, a press release or a public awareness type organization for a few reasons. We never want to create the perception that Luke or the military can't take care of their own. Because they can, you know. So when we're funding autism camps or when we're funding deployed family functions, we're always doing it with the emphasis of enhancing the quality of life. You know, if if the general needed to lock the front door and take care of all of his families, he could easily do that. So we get the privilege and the opportunity to do everything we can to enhance that quality of life. So we, we get a little, I don't want to say concerned, but sometimes when... You know, if you're funding autism camps, you could just see some people going, what? Luke can't take care of their autistic families? No, oh, yes, they can. Yeah. We're just there to enhance those resources. Absolutely. So um, I, you mentioned the autistic camps, but, but what other kind of support do you offer? So it's in, it's in three areas. It's you know, health and human services, the culture and tradition, and that mission sustainability piece. So it's, it's, it is a, a wide range and a broad scope just kind of like any YMCA across the country is different because the needs change. Same thing here over at Luke. You know, we, we do women's wellness expos. We do finance expos. And then as, as the leadership of the base changes, a lot of the people aren't familiar with what happens inside the military. You know, core leadership changes every two years. So when a new general comes in and a new command chief comes in, they might have some initiatives. And so we're always having... We get, we get the chance to sit down with that senior leadership core and really go, hey, how can we help? How can we assist? What would you like us to focus on? So our focus is to shift, too. But it's, it's really just the care and feeding of, of the younger airmen and their families and that, that the core enlisted that really supports that mission. I love that. So it's really a holistic, whole-life approach that you have there. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it is very broad, it's very busy, um, fast tempo, 
uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's very, very wide array of programs and services. One of my one of my favorites is the the annual dorm dweller holiday party. <laughs> you know, there's four four hundred and seventy three dorm rooms at Luke Air Force Base, and these are your eighteen and nineteen year olds straight out of basic training and tech school, and it's their first time away from home for most of them, and they don't get to go home for Christmas. Aww. So that doesn't, yeah, exactly. So that doesn't always create, you know, a high morale. So we come in and do a fantastic holiday party, and it's just kind of a little distraction of being away from home, and, and I think we've been doing that probably five or six years now. So fun. I love that. And, you know, it is an Air Force base, but you don't just serve Air Force families. That's correct. I always, you know, one thing that the 56 Spider Wing is very proud of is, is really their total force integration of what they have out at Luke. And I always love educating the Marines and, and the Navy veterans in the Valley that say, oh, I only want to support my Navy or my Marines. Well, <laughs> Luke Air Force Base is Air Force. It's got the 944th Spider Wing, which is Air Force Reserve. It has the NOS, which is a Navy operational support center. So you have 850 sailors in the desert. You have a bulk fueling and transportation marine unit company that has 350 Marines, the largest marine reserve unit in the country. You have Army Corps of Engineers. And then after that's all said and done, don't forget about the 92,000 retirees who can drive onto the base and go get a flu shot and go shop in the commissary. And that's not your 14-year vet. That's your your 20-year retired with pension and benefits and has base access. So we, we always talk about that veteran population that's significant in Arizona, which is huge. It's, I don't even know what the number is, but I can tell you when that retiree population, you have 92,000 eligible individuals who can go drive on the base and get a flu shot. So Luke is small from a 56 spider wing footprint, but wow. from a total military and community impact, it's significant. Absolutely. So when we were um, traveling out to the, the Barry Goldwater range, we were on a bus together, which even that was fun. You guys make everything fun. And you were just talking about how your group uh, does different kinds of razors. It's not just fundraisers. And you referred to the, the event that we went to as a friend razor. And I loved that phrase. So what other razors do you do? So uh, I, I, this is a perfect example of how successful that friend raiser was, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's led to this phone call, which I appreciate. Thank you again for just greater education and awareness of what Luke is. So that's that, that's what a friend raiser is, is establishing relationships. And our, our fundraiser, we do one a year. That's it. We're plain and simple. Keep it simple. And we just have a massive golf tournament. And it it literally invades the entire Wigwam Golf Resort and takes all three courses and has 372 players and is just one very, very successfully orchestrated event. And that's coming up, isn't it? Yes, it is May 26th. So is it too late for people to dive in and get involved? Well, you're asking the nonprofit president if it's ever too late to donate. And the answer to that is always no, of course not. Of course not. There, Don't there, be there's silly. always opportunity. Now, to play and participate could be tough. Uh, we have a couple unique sponsorship levels available there. But to, to donate and support the live auction or the silent auction or the raffle, being our website is, is our, one of our key conduits for communication. And, yeah, those opportunities are always available. Fantastic. So how do people 
find out about more about you and get involved and maybe get in that that last squeaking in the the tail end here of helping with this year's fundraiser? So we're always proud of our website, which is fightercountry.org. Everybody kind of always gets confused with that, but Luke Air Force Base has been known as Fighter Country ever since it opened in 1941. So our website is fightercountry.org, and there's a lot of great videos that I really encourage people to look at. Uh, And then, you know, we have shameless hot buttons right on the front page, and one of them is the golf tournament. So all you got to do is just click on the golf, and, and there you go. But... There's, there's some fantastic historical videos. There's videos about the F-35. Um, there's a video, I believe I provided you a link also, of a great ad that CBS 5 News did for us. So there's a lot of good stuff on our website. Fantastic. Well, I encourage everybody to go. You'll, you'll spend a little bit of time there because it's really rich with information. And, you know, I hope people get a chance to get a sense of who you are online or come out to the wigwam and participate or maybe just watch the golf tournament because it didn't take Danny or I any time at all to just fall in love with your mission and your people and and for us to dive in and want to help. And uh, we're, we're donating something for your, your raffle coming up. And that's, yes, yeah, that experience you guys are donating. I'm really looking forward to that. So thank you for that. Absolutely. The experience is the uh, the howitzer, the 105 howitzer. Yes. Can you imagine? We're going to actually shoot that 105 howitzer at the wigwam. Is that correct? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I provided full disclosure to the <laughs> city and county that a military asset would be out there making a significant noise. And they and, said and, yes. And, and How amazing said, okay, is that? Yeah. That's yeah, why I love Litchford, Litchfield. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, we've got to wrap up and let you run, but thank you so much for taking the time to be on here with us, Ron. Tell people your website again as, as we wrap up here. Fightercountry.org. And thank you very much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks so much. All right. Well, don't run away because we have a lot more coming up. We've got our second hour where we're talking with the authors of freedom. We've got award-winning author A.W.R. Hawkins. He's with Breitbart News and also Colonel Richard Tolliver. He is a retired pilot, Air Force pilot, and he has written an autobiography called Uncaged Eagle. You'll meet both of them in our next hour.